Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Bacon Wire podcast. On today's episode, we have Darian Harris, former MSU linebacker and current director of player engagement for Michigan State football. We talked to him about the role he plays within the Mel Tucker's coaching staff, his playing career at MSU, and what his professional career was like. So tune in. I really think it was a good interview. Darian was awesome. We can't wait to have him back on. Here's Spartan Dog 97. We now welcome on a very special guest, former linebacker for Michigan State and current director of player engagement, uh, Darian Harris. Darian, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Excited to be here. Yeah, we ask kind of all our guests this, um, you know, because we kind of started this as like a side project to do during quarantine, you know, how are you holding up? What are you what are you doing to, you know, kind of keep busy? Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, it's a little tough. It's frustrating not being in the office, not being around our players, and um, not to being able to do the things that you that you normally do on a day to day basis. But um, you know, I feel like I don't have much room to complain. Um, I know it could definitely be worse in terms of personal situations. So, I've been making the most of it. Um, you know, I started off with, with getting a puppy. Um, so that that. Nice. takes a lot of a lot of time and <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of effort and energy so it's it's hard to be bored with a puppy so I was able to to do that um and then otherwise you know spending the time just like everyone else you know spending it um you know talking virtually to friends video games um binge watching shows working out taking a lot more walks than usual obviously especially with the puppy um and then working you know coach Tucker has has given us a, a a uh, strong base and backing and platform to be able to do our jobs virtually. And we've been able to take that lead and still get a lot of things done. No. Nice. Yeah. That sounds, you know, that seems to be a popular option among at least my friends is that like six of them have gotten puppies. So I can definitely, yeah. <laughs> I could definitely understand that. So Darian, I just want to start off by saying congratulations on coming back to MSU and being a part of this, this pretty impressive staff. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, so my first question was what made you want to pursue this position, pursue, pursue a position to be a part of coach Tucker's, uh, inaugural staff? Yeah, well, the, the position and, and what it entails has always been a passion of mine. Uh, that player development piece has always been most important to me in terms of what goes into the student athlete experience and, and, uh, making sure that student athletes maximize their time on a campus. You know, it kind of started for me while I was playing. Um, just making sure my friends, my teammates were taking advantage of everything that Michigan State had to offer and uh, extended beyond that. So while I was still playing professionally, um, you know, during the off seasons, I would I was actually a graduate assistant in the Smith Center, our academic building. So in the spring semesters, I would GA um, in the Smith Center with our academic staff uh, while I was working my master's and did that for two years. Um, you know, again, while I was still playing ball and uh, once my career ended, I knew that I would hopefully have an opportunity to transition into this space full time. Um, the thing about college athletics is there's not a lot of positions open um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's slim to none, just like anything else in terms of sports. Um, but with coach Tucker coming in and stepping in and taking over, I knew that there would hopefully be an opportunity for me to join the staff. Unfortunately there was. Sweet. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely been kind of an expansion of college football staffs you know, in, in over this decade is kind of, you know, they've been kind of growing. Um, you know, I haven't heard much about people who are directors of player engagement. So 
like what are some of your what's your role what's your responsibility as as director of player engagement yeah so it's everything pretty much off the field uh, that i'll have a hand in um of course on the base level it's it's of course player development so it's the the networking opportunities for our student athletes and making sure they have full access to, to everything um, in terms of alumni, um, in terms of job opportunities, you know, in terms of transitioning into college and out of college, um, you know, the things like resume building, um, LinkedIn, uh, you know, focused on working on how they interview, how to dress for an interview, how to conduct and, you know, go through an interview that's being conducted on you, um, bringing in companies, bringing in organizations to be in front of our student athletes, give our student athletes an opportunity to market themselves to them. Um, so that's pretty much the, the player development level, which is a key piece, of course, to any, any staff in college. Um, but we're, we're taking it beyond that, which I think is exciting. You know, we have an entire program, you know, dedicated to our player development called the overtime program. Um, we're really starting to really ramp, ramp up the social media on the overtime program, which is really important in this day and age. Uh, making sure to highlight our student athletes when they're doing great things on and off the field, as well as, as, well as our alumni base. Um, you know, I get the pleasure of working with Elliot Daniels, uh, who's our assistant athletic director for student athlete engagement, who was actually an academic advisor while I was playing, um, and also Coach Lorenzo Guest, coach on staff for the past eight, eight years. So he's the director of player enrichment on the director of player engagement. Um, and then with us three, we kind of make up the player development field for our student athletes um so you know transitioning to other things branding opportunities for our student athletes branding themselves branding themselves on social media marketing themselves um which will definitely become even bigger going into next year with name image and likeness um rules changing um and then of course the nfl opportunities you know so working with scott aligo our director of player personnel on making sure our guys have the best possible opportunities when the nfl scouts come um to evaluate them Wow, that's cool. awesome! You, you kind of sound like you got a full plate there. That's uh, <laughs> I didn't realize that there was that much, you know. That that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of responsibilities. You know, that's pretty cool that that you can give back to student athletes like that. Definitely. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so I guess to piggyback off what you kind of just mentioned, where I know, like you mentioned, you have the NIL coming in twenty twenty one. Have you guys kind of started preparing different ideas for that and how to? present ideas to students, student athletes? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, you don't have a, ch I mean, you don't have a choice if you want to be successful, I think, mm -hmm. but you know, I can't really speak for other programs. I'm just speaking for the program that I'm a part of and, and that, that part of it and piece of it is going to be a big part of my job. Um, again, it starts at the top. So you look at coach Tucker, you look at his social media engagement and involvement It's different than anything we've seen before. Um, it's nice. exciting and it's innovative and it's fun. And he <laughs> understands the importance of branding, um, the university branding the program and it now can trickle down into our student athletes. So the little things you see here and there, the, the playlist battle, the battle of the Hawks, um, you know, the Spartan, the Spartan thing I've been doing, uh, the IG takeovers from our players, like those things are starting to make sure that they understand that you have to be a business as a student athlete now more than ever, um, maybe for the first time ever, because you can actually and will actually be able to profit off of it. So we're taking it head on, um, which is really exciting. We're coming up with as many innovative opportunities as we can. And as the rules kind of get um, laid out, um, we'll definitely set a foundation and allow our players to maximize that as much as possible. So we're not going to put a stronghold on it or try to, you know, get in the way or deter them of taking advantage of this opportunity because um, it's huge. You know, it's something I wish I had, um, but I was certainly pushing for it. And I'm, I'm glad to see the NCAA move in this direction and now, our student athletes will be able to take advantage. 
that's I can't wait. I'm so glad that they're doing that. The NLI, like that's the NIL. That's going to be great for these kids, you know, especially if they, you know, even just paying the bills or helping their yeah. family out, they can do that earlier as opposed to going to school for three, four years and having to wait that much longer as opposed to going, you know, to college basketball for one year. Um, I want to go back on when you talked about how engaging coach Tucker is. Um, I'm not trying to get in depth here, but like, I know you haven't had much in-person experience with coach Tucker because about a month after he got hired, the whole world kind of fell apart. Yeah. But um, early impressions, like what are, what are the biggest differences that you can see between him and, and coach D'Antonio? Yeah, I mean, I actually don't think there's a, a lot of as many differences as people think. There's the surface level ones, of course, you know, the mm-hmm. social media involvement and things like that. But, right. um, you know, Coach Tucker's just doing that. You know, I, I think he enjoys it, but also that's just the day and age we're in. You, I mean, you you have to, especially establishing yourself um, as, a, as a new coach on the scene in a new environment, um, mm-hmm. you have to, to be able to get that fan base behind you. You know, maybe somebody else doesn't necessarily have to do that. Um, but even if you look at other places, you look at Nick Saban, maybe he's not necessarily on Instagram or Twitter doing things, but he's on an HBO show with Bill Belichick. He's showing yeah. up on the steam room with Ernie and Chuck. I mean, so he's everywhere also just in a different light. So everybody's doing that. Dabo's on TikTok. And so like everybody's, <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so everybody's doing that. But the, the funny thing is, you know, we laughed at it because it was, it was kind of funny, but everybody sees it. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we don't have any affiliation with Clemson, but we definitely saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to be able to do those things. Um, but, the, the you know, the, the attention to details, similarities are there. The way that he cares about his staff and his players, those similarities are there. Um, so I definitely think there's a lot of similarity that come kind of from that same tree, you know, that Trestle-Saban pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So there's definitely going to be similarities in terms of coaching philosophy and things like that there. But uh, just in terms of the way that he's galvanized the fan base, I think is incredible early on. Um, and I'm excited to continue working with him. Yeah, it sounds, you know, I, I, I always think about when, you know, members of the staff put up, you know, the bat signal for when, a, for when someone commits. And, I, and I'm just like, I can't imagine, you know, nothing against him, but Coach Bowman tweeting a bat signal. Yeah. That would have been, <laughs> been a sight to see. Yeah, it is. It's funny and it's different, but it's innovative and it's fun. And it's a, it's a team effort. So, you know, that's something that came from our recruiting department and our graphics team, you know, with what, what Lisa's able to do with the recruiting team and um, what Derek's been doing with the graphics and the design team. I mean, all those things, it's just about getting a fresh face in and innovative ideas because um, you have to keep up with the times at the end of the day. Um, it's very important to do that, um, especially in this day and age with recruiting and things like that. It's just incredibly important to make sure that you stay fun and engaging and innovative and different um, and those things are benefiting us. Now we're getting articles written about us and what we've been doing with graphics and with the bat signal, like you said, and things like that. So now people will start trying to imitate us and copy us because it's an imitation business, a copycat business. So now we have to now come back with something else, which we're right. going to continue to do. Um, so it, it all goes hand in hand. And ultimately, of course, we want it to end up with success on the field. Yeah, and you mentioned the graphics. Like some of the graphics that the department has come out with are just top-notch, awesome fire, you know. And I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, as someone who was, who was recruited by Michigan State, you know, uh, what are, what do you remember about your recruitment? Like, was I know social media probably wasn't as huge right back when you were getting recruited as it is now, but 
you know, was there that element of like programs engaging with you that like kind of helped kind of swung you one way or the other? Not really um, as much as now, because as you said, social media just wasn't as prominent. You know, we were on it. We were on Facebook and on Twitter, but we used it for totally different things. I mean, we use it for like regular conversations, which was a little bit different than now. Now everything is about um, uh, likes, retweets, and branding yourself, which I think is important. And the student athletes understand that uh, as well, you know, especially the recruits. They understand that they have to have an opportunity to be able to um, you know, maximize who they are as a student athlete and as a business. So, um, you know, when I was getting recruited, it was about that interaction with the coaches and the current players. Uh, that was as important as anything. And that still is as important as anything. I think that still is number one on the list is your interaction uh, with the current players and how you're going to gel as a team. But now that second piece now is your personal brand. So with that comes the graphics that you can post, the photo shoots, which have to be as creative and elaborate as possible um can you see yourself out there on the field and all the swag and all the glamour that that a school has making a play we have to make it as realistic as possible and we have to give them something to be excited about and talk about so um it does get a little much of, of course but we enjoy it we have fun with it the recruits love it the parents love it um and again end of the day that's all that matters do you ever, you know, go to the graphics team and like, hey, can I get like an iced out graphic? Just, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been, I definitely looked at that one specifically and was like, man, like, can you like, you know, just toss me back in my jersey real quick and do a couple things? But, um, you know, it's all fun and, and they've done a great job with the things we've asked for again for the overtime program. And um, that team is phenomenal. You know, it's, it's not just Derek, but, um, you know, it's Blaze and it's Lizzie and it's the rest of that whole team. And the way that they're able to just crank out these graphics. I mean, you ask for something in the morning, they got it to you by the afternoon. I mean, it's that quick. But again, that, that's how we have to roll as a staff. And that's how we've been rolling as a staff. And that's why I'm excited to be a part of this because everybody's moving in the right direction um, with that sense of, of vibrato and that sense of urgency and that, you know, that, that relentless nature. You know, that word is not just a hashtag. It's something that our staff is and our players are utilizing and really putting to putting to work. Yeah, and one thing I kind of have a question about is a little bit earlier I saw on Twitter that uh, Scott Aligo, um, yeah. he announced that you guys are going to be able to have more scouts on campus. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I saw something from Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl. He mentioned how uh, he highlighted a couple of players that we have. So kind of how does that help you in your job in terms of being able to present ideas and opportunities to players that, hey, you're going to be practicing and we're going to have NFL scouts in the building. Like, how does that help yeah, you? It, it helps a ton because we can say that, hey, you're going to have, of course, an opportunity to, to reach a lifelong dream of playing a National Football League. Um, but you have to do these things the correct way and the proper way to, to be able to get that opportunity. So we are going to have a lot more, you know, scouts on campus and, and interacting with us and things like that, that Scott is going to be able to do, you know, and, and the thing is you can't, you, you can't put anything past him. You know, he has a saying facts over feelings. He was an NFL mm -hmm. scout for seven mm -hmm. years. He, he knows what it's about. This is not, you know, it's not fluff with him. He understands what it takes to get on the radar of an NFL team. So now with him and his credibility and talking to our current players and draft eligible players, he can say, listen, this is what the scouts are looking for. This is what I'm looking for to be able to, to you know, put your best foot forward and kind of put my reputation on the line when I'm talking about you to an NFL scout. So you have to meet me 50-50. You have to meet me right in the middle and you have to make sure you're doing the things you're supposed to do or mm -hmm. else I can't, I, I can't vouch for you because that's my career. That's my family on the line. 
Um, and he's been very vocal about that, which I think is important. Because these players are going to realize once you get to the NFL, that's what it's about. It's about these guys are trying to feed their family. You know, that that was the, the best, worst, um, you know, football experience for me was, was preseason special teams. Because this is when guys are literally working to feed their family, and it is a bloodbath out there. So now Scott has taken that mindset, of course, into his job. He's got a wife. He's got kids. You know, his reputation is always going to be on the line. So you have to be able to do what you're supposed to do on and off the field um, so that he doesn't look like a fool when he's, of course, presenting you to a scout. Hmm. Yeah, of course. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, we kind of want to ask, you know, a little bit now about your uh, playing career. Uh, you know, you had been a member of some of the greatest teams in recent MSU history. You know, I kind of wanted – to ask you about what it, what that was like from the locker, you know, from being on the field, being in the locker room, you know, what was kind of like that atmosphere like when you were playing for Big Ten championships, playing in the Rose Bowl, playing in the college football playoff? Yeah, it was definitely fun, of course, because it's always fun when you're winning, but it was, it was business mentality. You know, it was work from sunup to sundown. And I think that um, that's something that um, kind of gets overshadowed a lot. Um, we went to work for those championships. And, you know, I was saying um, that they'll love you when the glory comes. You know, it, it, we weren't trying to be buddy-buddy and friends with each other when we were going and, and chasing after Rose Bowls and Cotton Bowls and Big Ten Championships. We, you know, we battled, of course, in practice. Um, you know, we got in stats in the locker room. We, um, you know, had to get people in line in order. Uh, we demanded a lot of out of each other. We demanded excellence out of each other. And then when we hoisted that trophy, you know, the trophies at the end of the day, that's when the fun started. That's when we had fun and that's when we enjoyed the time. Now, of course, we, we enjoyed our, our time in college and it was the best time of our lives for sure. But when it got down to the football business, it, it was business. It was always business mentality. It was business, business in those locker rooms. And it was like that from day one that I stepped on campus because I was learning from the older guys, um, the Max Bullers, Darquez Denars, Curtis Drummond, and Benny Fowler. I was learning from all of them. And then I knew that when it was my time, I had to take what I learned from them um, and then pass that down to the players that were coming behind me. So they move in a business mindset and a business attitude, so I had to do the same. I like it. Um, and then oh, – I'm sorry, go ahead, though. Go ahead, Brett, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask, so, Darian, when, when during the season, whether it's the offseason or kind of when you get that first game or first series out of the way, when did you kind of know that you guys had, like, a team that can compete for a championship? Yeah, I think it's, it's usually starts in the offseason. Um, I think that, of course, you can have really good offseasons and then just the, the wins and losses don't necessarily add up. But in my experience, I mean, it, it was truly the offseason. You know, going into that Rose Bowl year, was listening to those senior speeches, um, you know, listening to, to all those guys talk um, and then listening to them and watching them lead by example and then wanted to follow their lead, and then it ended up with execution on the field. Um, same thing in 14, and then in 15, you know, those summer workouts were grueling. I mean, those summer conditioning, you know, was as grueling as possible because it got to a point where we were listening to Coach Manny and Coach Gass and Coach Hoke and, and Coach Burkhart, but then we'd just take over after a while. Be like, Coach, Coach, I got it from here. And then we'd add to the workout, and we'd, you know, Coach Manny said we're, we're doing 20 stadium steps. I'd say we're doing 30. You know, I want to set a record this year on our workout. And we do that, and there wouldn't be any complaints. There would be, you know, it would just be hard work, determination, players pushing players. And once you get to that point, you know, Coach Izzo's famous phrase, a player-led team is better than a coach-led team. That's when I knew, and I had the, the mindset and mentality, okay, this team can do something special. 
um, because we're, we're running our meetings. We're running the film sessions as players. We're running the practices as players. We didn't need our coaches to be able to motivate us and tell us what to do. We handled it um, as players. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Going back to Spartan or Jared's question, you know, Spartan's question about, you know, you've been a part of some of crazy moments. I just want to ask about the Baylor game. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we're, you're down forty-one twenty. What was the feeling uh, on the sideline at that moment? Like right when you could kind of forty-one twenty-one. Excuse me, I screwed up the yeah. score. Um, what was the feeling on the sideline when when you're down by twenty? Like, and even watching that game, I felt okay. Baylor's too much, too bad on defense. I think this is far from over. Like, what was your guys' feeling at that moment? Yeah, I think that it was a situation where both sides of the ball um, kind of, you know, took the blame for what was happening. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, then that's how games turn around. So offensively, exactly. They, we were saying, hey, we're leaving points on the board, too many turnovers, too many missed opportunities. Like this defense shouldn't be stopping us the way that they've been stopping us, especially with the success we've had on offense that year, um, you know, on, on the ground and, and through the air. And then defensively, we were saying, okay, we're, we're going against – you know, a team with, with the best offense, you know, statistically in the country. Um, but they're just hitting big plays, you know, right. so they're just hitting big plays. And we're starting to look at our secondary when we're saying, hey, we got Kurt, we got Trey, you know, we got these guys that can stop these, you know, Corey Coleman's of the world and, and, and Katie Cannon's of the world and all those guys, we can stop them. So we just have to stay the course and do what we're supposed to do. And eventually we'll work our way back in the game. And that's what we did. Um, but it just goes back to that cliche of belief. You know, we always believed as a team that the game wasn't over till it was over. Um, even in the tough losses we had, we fought to the end, and we were always going to do that. You know, we weren't going to get down on ourselves. We were going to stick to the game plan. We weren't going to change anything. And we knew that eventually we could get the tables to turn. Yeah, that that game was so awesome. And obviously for a player even more, but like, you know, like dinking back, you know, kind of slowly yeah. getting back into it. And then when that blocked field goal happened, it's just like you kind of knew it was going to happen. Baylor just looked totally defeated, even though they could have easily finished off the game. You know, you knew Connor, you knew Connor was going to throw darts down the field to win that thing. Um, yeah, definitely. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like going like out after, um, you know, <laughs> running into the Baylor players and there was no oh, bad man. blood, no hard feelings, but like, right. um, you know, just like standing at the bar talking to Corey Coleman after the game was, uh, it's just one of those experiences that you remember because that was like kind of my first taste of how, you know, kind of professional sports goes um, mm-hmm. in my first taste of just competitive nature and getting an opportunity after a game to go talk to an opponent about what happened and see what was going on in their head and their psyche. And then also in yours um, was a great, it was a great conversation, um, mm-hmm. but just an, an interesting, of course, kind of situation to be in. Yeah. Like, you know, it, I'm sure, you know, you don't want to have that professionalism. Also you're, you're psyched as hell that you won, right. but like, you want to talk to him too, even though they might not be in the mood, but it sounded like he was okay to talk about it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is, it is just a game, but I understand it's more than that to you guys. Um, and this is some, this is going back to when coach Narduzzi was there. Um, same time frame, but that was his last game. As, as a fan, I was always pumped when I could see coach Narduzzi coming down <laughs> from the press box. Yeah. You know, how, how palpable is that energy on the sideline when he's going, he's coming down the sideline, screaming in your faces, getting you chest bumps and getting you pumped up to, to finish the game, whether you're down or whether you're winning. 
yeah, I mean, it meant we better get our act in order because <laughs> you know, on TV, on TV, it looks cool because he's, you know, he's, he's, it looks like he's getting fired up. Really, he's kind of, you know, shouting some things at you that um, it's probably good that the cameras didn't pick up, but it, 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 it worked, you know, and it was worth it. And I love those dudes to death because um, how he pushed us as players to be great. And then we knew, you know, he would, he would say, and you know, Coach Trestle or Coach Barnett or, or Coach Burton be like, you know, he's coming down. Um, and, and we got word of that. It was like, all right, we got to tighten up now because it was like only so often coming down. But it became a it became a thing. You know, it became a thing that okay, like that's our signal to to pick it back up. Um, and it worked. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it truly worked. Um, so we definitely appreciated him for that and his energy and his passion. Um, and it's great to see that that pay off for him uh, at Pittsburgh now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of want to ask about, you know, your NFL career. Uh, you know, that's obviously something that you've worked towards your entire life. Like, did it ever get, did that, did that feeling of, oh, what, like I'm here now, like, did that ever kind of wear off or was it always kind of like, how long was it a surreal experience for you? Yeah, it was, um, it was probably pretty surreal for the you know duration I was there because of course it wasn't as long as I wanted it to be, you know, in terms of my whole, you know, professional career, including, you know, NFL and CFL, you know, it was, it was three total years um, and not a lot of time, you know, on the field due to injury and stuff like that. So, whereas you see yourself, of course, thinking you're going to play 13, you know, you only really get three and then it's not really a real three, you know, it's, it involved, you know, it was three times and then it involved three times being cut also. So, um, it was an, it was an experience in terms of learning the business side of it, of course, um, you know, you just learn that, that sometimes it just isn't enough room on the team. Um, and how you take that and, and how you, you know, kind of transition after that is a big part of my job now. Um, but also, you know, without those experiences, I don't know if I'd be able to be where I'm at now. So being able to bounce back from being cut, because for us, it's the first time we've ever been told, basically, you're not good enough. You know, you're in my entire life, you know, of, you know, especially through, you know, through little league and, and middle school and high school, pretty much all of us have always been the best players on our team and, and, and pretty much all sports also, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. So then, then you get to college and then you learn about, okay, now everybody was the best of the best. Now, how do you ascend to there? But then once you hit, you know, a junior, senior year, you know, you're out there, you're an all-conference player. Now you're figuring you're one of the best players in the country. You know, now I should be able to take it to the next level professionally. Now I want to be one of the best players in the world, but I didn't necessarily get that opportunity. So, there was that, of course, surreal experience. You know, you're practicing with A.J. Green and Andy Dalton and players like that. You're you're playing against Adrian Peterson and stuff like that, guys you grew up, um, you know, watching. Um, but the whole time, every day, you don't know if you're going to wake up and have a job or not. So it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to balance that surreal experience and also like that no type of job security. Um, and like I said, twice, you know, technically three times, I was sent back home, back on my couch. It's like, okay, what do you do now? Keep training and you get called back and you go back. And then you get sent back again. And finally, you know, my the last time around, you know, I kind of had it in my mind. I said, if I'm not on, a, on an active roster by the time I'm 25, then I'm done. And mm-hmm. that's what ended up happening. Um, and that's why I decided to, to be done, um, even though maybe I could have continued to try to play. Um, that's just what I had in my head from the time I, I you know, sought after this dream um, and ended up paying off. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And then after you kind of left football, you became a coach at Flint Beecher, right? Like uh, Wild Lake Western. Wild Lake Western, yeah. Yep. Um, did you ever, you know, I coached high school too for a little bit before the world ended. Uh, yeah. Did you ever have, did you ever have like an old man moment with the kids? Because I for sure did. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything that I learned from Coach D and Coach Presto and Coach Narduzzi, I used all the phrases. Uh, I threw my hat as many times as possible, you know, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. And again, it's another situation that I never saw myself necessarily being in that situation. You know, I've been coaching a legacy uh, out of Brighton for the past uh, three, four years. I was essentially the, the head linebacker coach for, for legacy football. Um, so I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, I coached in the, all, the Legacy All-Star Game every year. I had a really good relationship with, with everybody at Legacy. Um, but something just kind of hit me uh, last year uh, when I moved to Detroit where I wanted to get back on the sideline and really felt like that was the best way that I could impact the youth and impact kids. You know, I'd always had a passion for public school, but I didn't necessarily have the, the education in it. So I knew that, you know, becoming a teacher or something like that would be a, a really long road. I have to almost start over my education. But I could definitely coach, um, and I knew that I could be an effective coach. So, again, I had a relationship with Wall Lake Weston with the AD and the head coach, and, um, you know, similar to kind of like a Michigan State thing, I was hired in July and was on the practice field the next week um, ready to rock and roll. And we had an unbelievable year, you know, made it to the semis, lost in a real close one to the Ski Lamona Shores. You know, the, you know, we talked about that Cotton Bowl game. This game was the craziest game I've ever been a part of. <laughs> 56-55 loss in a, in a Final Four game um, was, I mean, it was it was the craziest game I've ever been a part of. And it was funny because we played in an open miss. So it was technically like playing it at home for me. Um, so we were a two-point conversion away from going and playing for a state title. Um, but it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And uh, I was looking to continue that um, and actually end up being a high school head coach um, until I got this opportunity to come back to state. Yeah, for sure. I was a lacrosse coach and I was setting up like a passing drill and I was like, you know, you guys need to share the ball just like the old four Pistons. Yep. Right. And they all like, they all, cause they were like two years yep. old. Like when yep. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's the craziest part is that age oh. gap that you don't realize because I don't see myself as that old. I'm sure you don't see yourselves as that old, but like I just turned 27 and these, 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 these kids are 10 years, you know, 10 years and more younger than me. So I was like, wow, this is like a, I mean, this is literally like a whole generation. Um, and it's just, it's crazy. But, you know, it, it was a great time. It was a great experience. Um, and for somebody that I didn't think I was going to end up in coaching, uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a rewarding experience, I think, to kind of, when you, when you teach something to a kid and they get it, like there's no better feeling. Exactly. Exactly. Me. So, uh, Brett, I know that you had a couple questions that you wanted to yeah. before. Yeah, so I guess my next question would be um, kind of going back to what your role is at Michigan State. When do you get to take over and kind of start helping players? Is it like the first day they enroll? Is that kind of when you're allowed to start doing and helping out? Yeah, so it'll be the first day that they enroll, their first day on campus. Um, I have a big, big role in their transition in, moving them in ingratiating them into the college experience, um, the college atmosphere. It's a big difference, as all of us know. Um, yeah. You know, leaving <laughs> high school, leaving home, even if you're from the state of Michigan. Um, but especially for those guys from out of state, you're walking into different territory. Um, the people are different. You know, you're in a different region of the country, and there's a lot in terms of that transition. So, yeah, it'll be from day one, working with the players. Um, and that's, that's what I'm probably most excited about, is to really get them from day one and make sure that their experience from day one is important. It'll also be taking the current players and making sure that they're doing their part and in ingratiating mm -hmm. the, the newcomers into what we have as a culture in Michigan State. 
but that was what was big for us. I, I think that that we had, you know, I credit the success we had to the guys that came before us and how it's our first day on campus. Um, and, and these guys hadn't met us before or talked to us before, but when my class moved in, it was Darquez Denard, Isaiah Lewis, Curtis Drummond. Those guys were at our dorm to welcome us and hung out with us for the whole day, you know, for the whole week and would come over every day and chill and do all those things. And I'm like, you guys are established starters, big time players, don't know us at all, but you're taking the time to come over and talk to some freshmen and not just talk to us, like hang out with us for the day. Like that was important for us. And, it, and it's why we're all friends to this day, even though we're all from different classes. I mean, you know, and it's more than friends, you know, it's brothers. You know, we fly across the country to see each other as much, many times as possible. We help each other with each other's camps and things like that because of that first day experience on campus. So I'm going to make sure our players get back to that, which I think is important. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a, a first day on campus job for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Michigan State, I mean, it, people say it all the time, but it's true. It's a family. I mean, yeah. you, you go anywhere in the country, you see somebody wearing Michigan State gear, hat, whatever. Uh, you can go up and talk to them about anything. And it's automatic friendship, automatic bond. So, I mean, I think that, like, having you in the role that you're going to be in, I think that's that's going to be crucial. Just Absolutely. because from day one, they're going to get it. They're going to have somebody there for them, and that's just going to make everything transition-wise easier. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, the three of us, we, we've never even met in person. Like, we just kind of, <laughs> we just kind of met over social media just yeah. because we, we all, we're all associated with Michigan State, and that's just such like a, that's such like a common force that, you know, is, I feel at least is kind of unique at MSU. It's like a family atmosphere there, even though there's like 50,000 students there. You know? No, it is. It's truly unique, and I, I tell that to everybody. Um, I tell that to, to when I went to train, you know, for the, for the draft and stuff down in Miami, and I befriended a lot of players from other schools and I was talking to them about my experience they were talking about how they didn't have that you know I got best friends at women's basketball and and field hockey and soccer and volleyball men's basketball hockey baseball I mean it, it just and then you know quote-unquote regular students you know students I met in my journalism major um, that I have great relationships with students I met in my master's program that I have great relationships with that it's not just like a we talk once in a while. It's like we talk all the time um, and follow each other and congratulate each other on marriages and kids and all those types of things. And um, it's just, it is, it's a culmination of people that you never would have thought that you would ever have, have um, associated with, but all of a sudden, like you're leaving with this great relationship with them. And it started that first day, it started in the dorm. You know, there's people I met in the dorm in Case Hall my freshman year that just by happenstance were in James Madison or something like that and got placed with us. And now it's like, these are some people I literally talk to all the time and, you know, I'm seeing them get married and all these types of things. And it's exciting um, because these are people that we walk through the doors with day one. It didn't matter that we were playing football and they were, you know, learning about constitutional democracy and that type of stuff. We, we shared a common bond of, we were the high school graduated class of 2011 and now we're Michigan State Spartans. And that was it. And I think that that is unique across the country and unique to Michigan State um, and why I couldn't have imagined, you know, taking this job anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Darian, we, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come on with us. Uh, this was a lot of fun. You know, we wish you uh, good luck in, you know, this upcoming season and, uh, you know, go green. Go white. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it, Darian. Thanks, Darian. Trying to make him
him something. Ain't no tell what he'll do for the paper. Ain't no tellin'. Souffle, hung straight. I stay my plate. Shot day, I'm a smooth operator. I drop top of my wheel, baby. That car driving make you feel some type of way. I know you do. That custom brightly make you feel some type of way. I'm shining, ho. bitch on we got me feeling some type of way.